You're listening to Cleveland First Baptist Church's weekly sermon audio from lead pastor Rick Dill. For more information, please visit clevelandfirstbaptistchurch.com. In between services, I had a chance to talk to Miss Susan, who I probably haven't talked to in years, and Miss Pam, they were talking about, like I said, I grew up in this church. Uh, some of the plays we had, you know, back when I was a kid, I was wild, probably caused a lot of trouble, probably stayed in a lot of trouble. But uh, one thing in those plays, I couldn't ever be still, and nothing's changed. So I moved these microphones out of the way because I can't be still while I'm up here. But uh, like Brother Rick said, I'm Josh Sullivan. Uh, I grew up in Cleveland, graduated class of uh, 2000. Uh, Basically stayed here until I got married in 2008. Like Brother Rick said, today is my anniversary, and yes, I did forget, but... I'm pretty sure my wife probably did too, but that's what happened when you have kids. You can only hope. <laughs> the good thing is she was asleep when I left, so I did I did call her in between services, so she wasn't mad. But you know, when you we got two uh beautiful daughters and like I say, normally they would be here, but with the whole two services and me having to get up early to be here, they just couldn't get up that early. Uh ten year old sleep till lunch we let her. But uh I am glad to be here. Uh, I know some of y'all might play golf. I've been playing to some of you when you had church treat. You know, they always say the second golfer is the best golfer. Well, I'm hoping the second sermon is better than the first. <laughs> I, I can't make any promises, but we'll we'll have to see. But uh, I am glad to be here and thank Brother Rick and uh, Wesley for allowing me and letting and y'all allow me to be here. But uh, how many in here? Uh, and let me apologize to the ones that was here for the early service because a lot of this is going to be the same. So. If you didn't take it in this morning, the first service, take it in this one. But uh, how many in here do we have any that are farmers? Whether it's cows, chickens, flowers. I know I worked at a brand that does flower shop growing up. Well, there was this uh, Texas farmer. This Texas farmer, he liked to brag. You know, everything's bigger and better in Texas, so they say I've never been. But he liked to brag about how big of a farm he had. And everywhere he'd go, he'd talk about how big his farm is. And, you know, he'd brag about it. So one day, him and his wife decided to take a trip. They was going to Ireland. So they got to Ireland. They was exploring the countryside. And as they was driving down the road, he happened to see a guy out there on his farm. And he said, you know what? And he said, I'm going to stop and talk to that fella. And he said, uh, because if I stop and ask him about his farm, he'll ask me about mine. So they pulled over, and he walked up, and said, hey, he said, uh, see you out here farming. He said, how big's your farm? He said, well, I got 20 acres. You know, we uh, farm a lot of stuff we eat. And he said, and sure enough, got looked at him and said, uh, well, you said you was a farmer, you know, uh, how big's your farm? He poked his chest out and pulled his pants up. And he said, well, I'm going to put it to you like this. He said, get my cup of coffee, and I go out in the morning before the sun comes up, and I get in my truck, and I start riding my fence line said when the sun goes down i finally pull back up in my driveway irish farm looked at him and said you know i had a truck like that one time <laughs> so you're probably thinking well what's that got to do with anything in the church and one thing that i i had uh, i like to say i'm a youth pastor at liberty hill baptist church it's in the high community a lot of people don't know where that's at but it's close to douglas and last sunday was our youth sunday so i preached there and i preached on the three enemies that we have and 
The third one that I preached on was the most, I guess, probably one anybody could guess, and that's the devil. And the devil's biggest sin was pride, and that's his biggest weapon against us. And he uses that pride and basically has affected every one of our hearts. You know, when we're saved and we get that new heart, you know, we're supposed to be living for Jesus, but a lot of times we let pride get in the way. And, you know, when I was going through and trying to, you know, figure out which way God was leading me, and, you know, it's basically, I mean, anytime you turn a TV on now, you can see what's going on in the, problem, in the world. And right now, we're living in the middle of a pandemic. And a lot of y'all are like, yeah, you know, that's why we're not in church. But I'm not talking about the corona, the COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. We're living in the middle of a cultural pandemic. And the reason we're in the middle of a cultural pandemic is because we're in the middle of a spiritual pandemic. And the, the reason that we're in a spiritual pandemic is because us as Christians, us as a church, have took a back seat to a lot of things that we don't think affects us. And there's probably not anybody sitting in this audience today that hasn't either openly sinned, hasn't been around open sin hasn't been around somebody that's made some kind of racial remark, you know, whatever the sin may be, and you know, it, racism's just going on right now, that's why I'm using that. But we all sit there, and when somebody makes this comment or whatever, you're like, well, you know, that really's not affecting me. I'm just going to just let it go. You know, I'm just ignoring it. You know, I'm not going to be a part of that. Well, we're just as guilty as that person is. Because when we are saved and we get that new heart, our job is to spread the kingdom of God. And if we're not doing that, if we're not speaking up against whether it's racial injustice, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's uh, abortion, no matter what it is, if we're not speaking up, we're not doing our part. And... You know, anytime you turn the TV on now, and it don't matter whether it's a news channel, whether it's a sports channel, since we're not having sports, which I know is probably killing some of y'all like it is me, but anytime you turn the TV on, all you see is negativity. And it's all starting with us. And you say, well, you know, I, I me, I, I do what the Lord wants me to do, you know, I. But. We're not speaking up and speaking loud enough or the rest of the world can hear us. And when I was studying all this, it, you know, God laid out the foundations for us as Christians to follow. And those haven't changed. I mean, it, this book right here, it don't matter what version you got, those words were thousands of years and they haven't changed. So what's changed? Christians. Our hearts. Our hearts aren't where they need to be. And the when I was first when I was studying the this actually wasn't the first verse that I was drawn to, but uh, it was the one I knew I wanted to open. And it's first Samuel sixteen seven. It says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature. Because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. And you know, I may say in the early service that you know, I know God has a sense of humor because a lot of the messages he gives me to preach, he's making me preach to myself. So I know that's how he's got a sense of humor because he's saying, all right, big boy, let's see what you got. 
And, and that's the truth, because I'm as guilty as anybody. I mean, I'm as much of a sinner as anybody out there. Everybody in here is sinners. Nobody that been on this earth is perfect except one man. And, you know, if we allow the constant, you know, open sin and all this, we're not doing our part. And, you know, right now the whole, you know, protest going on and, you know, most of them has been peaceful. And, you know, I agree something's got to change. And, you know, this systemic racism that we've got going on, it's been a problem long enough. But... And I'm not making light of that situation because that's an awful, any kind of sin is an awful situation. And racism, prejudice, whatever, it's a sin. But we're out here, we're protesting, we're wearing these shirts that say, I can't breathe. You know, we're out here marching in the streets. Yet since 1970, from 1970 to 2016, there was over 46 million abortions in the United States. Why are we not out screaming and crying? Those kids never even had a chance to breathe. We're fighting over one man, which I get it. It is, it is wrong. There's something that needs to be changed. But that's not the only sin that needs to be changed in America. And the only way that we're ever going to change any sin is for us Christians to change our heart and quit taking the back seat. And just like me and Brother Rick said, talked about this morning before the services, he said, you know, and... I made a joke because when I came in, I asked him, I said, where do I need to sit? I said, I don't want to sit in somebody's assigned seat because y'all know how us Baptists are. we got to have our assigned seats. And, and we laughed about it. And he said, you know, when I came, he said, a lot of people, he said, didn't sit in the front. They sat in the back. And that's our problem. And I'm not talking about sitting in the back of the church. I'm talking about sitting in the back of these issues and not doing anything. And it all starts with Christians. And look at Jeremiah 17 uh, 9 and 10 it says the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick who can understand it I the Lord search the heart I test the mind even to give to each man according to his ways according to the results of his deeds and basically the heart of every problem is the problem of the heart every problem that we have in this country right now no matter whether it be racial abortion homosexuality Whatever sin, drunkenness, whatever, it all starts with our heart. Because we're all born to the flesh. I mean, we got that from Adam. And our flesh is going to draw us to worldly things. And, you know, it's basically our, the, our human capacity is to, to be able to rebel against God is endless. If... Our heart's not in the right spot. And look, just like I said in early service, there's been a time in my life that I wasn't in that right spot. I mean, I sat in a bar while getting drunk trying to tell a homosexual that he was wrong. Now, there I was just on the same path the hell he is. But my heart was not in the right spot. My heart was still hardened. Even though I got saved, not at this building, but in this church, in March of 92... I let the world take over. I let the world... I was more concerned about what the world thought of me or what others thought of me and not really worried about what God thought of me. And up until the last you know, couple of years, and I, I told some of them earlier, I worked for the railroad for 16 and a half years. And the railroad, if a lot of y'all don't know, 
is not a real, I guess you could say, Christian-friendly place. I mean, it's a bunch, of, a bunch of men who's gone all the time, not in church, and it's basically just a big mixing bowl for destruction. And, you know, and, and when I was there, I let it take advantage of me. And I, I didn't speak up until the last probably year or so that I was there. And I, I was telling them, when I was offered a youth pastor uh, position at the church where we go, you know, back in September, I was still at the railroad. But I knew that that's what the Lord wanted me to do, but there was no way that I could do it and be at the railroad because I was gone all the time. So, you know, I had to get my heart right with God to be able that when I prayed, that no matter what He told me, I had to listen. And I'll be honest with you, when I was praying... And the answer I was getting was quit and trust me. I said, no, we're not doing that. I got a wife and kids. You know, we, we need that paycheck. I got bills to pay. And this went on. And, like, I mean, here I am. You know, I announced my call of entry in 2015. But here it is in 2019. And I'm still not trusting the way I need to trust. But it's because my heart went in the right spot. And it just finally hit one day. And I knew that that's what I was going to have to do. So I quit the railroad in October not knowing where my next paycheck was going to come from. A month later, I was hired the city of Boaz. I worked Monday through Friday, off weekends and holidays. I never missed a Wednesday night service. I never missed a Sunday service, Sunday, Sunday night, which we're not having right now because of the pandemic. But I don't have to miss anything. And all it took was for me to get my heart where it needs to be. And look, I, I'm not going to sit up here and lie to anybody. My heart's still not 100% where it needs to be because it's still tough for me even working at the city where it's just a bunch of guys, a bunch of them who are not in church. I even have an atheist I work with. And, you know, I do speak up, but probably not as much as I need to. And that's something, you know, I've been praying about and I've been working on. And which, like I said earlier, I think that's why this message came up because, it's, you know, it's something I still need to work on. But until us Christians realize and get our hearts where we need to be. And just like I talked to Doug Hill before the service, and you know, and like Rick said, it's been a hard time, you know, with not being able to come to church. And for me, especially the, you know, my past and all, and like I said, one of the hardest messages that I've ever had to preach was my testimony. And you know, it's one of them that I know I'll probably have to give again, but you know, maybe it's way on down the road because it's rough. But I need. For my heart, I guess you could say, I need to be in the church, be around brothers and sisters in Christ. But I need, not only do I need that, I need those brothers and sisters in Christ to have the same heart that we all should have. And we need to be exposed to His Word. And it's like Hebrews, in Hebrews 4.12 it says, For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And, you know, that verse right there, it tells us that, you know, when we are in the Word, when we're learning about the Word, it's going to penetrate to the deepest parts of our heart, which is what we need, but it's what a lot of the Christians nowadays does not have. We're not staying in the Word. You know, like I said earlier, you know, I got two little girls uh, on two softball teams. I'm coaching one, helping with the other. My wife's a volleyball coach at the high school. 
She's gone right now, you know, with volleyball stuff, and we're stretched thin, and we don't have a whole lot of time. But there's nothing more important, and there's nothing that we as Christians need more than that time with God, because if we don't take that time every day to put, you know, our best efforts into it, then we're never going to have the heart that we need, and our hearts are never going to be changed. And, you know, I said last week in the sermon that, uh, we got to go to the beach a couple weeks ago, more Day weekend, Mom and Dad got to go with us, had a good time. I said, but, you know, when I told my wife, I knew 12 years ago today, I ain't going to forget it, that that's who I wanted to be with for the rest of my life. I would argue with anybody on that beach. She was the best looking woman down there. She probably wouldn't agree, but I'm going to argue. Well, if I'm going to do that for my wife, why am I not out here arguing with these people sinning until I'm blue in the face? that I got a relationship with somebody that's way greater than my wife can ever be. Yet we sit, a sports reference I guess, on the sidelines and never get in the game because we're worried about what other people think. And I said earlier in the, the early service that, you know, I've made a few people mad. You know, some that I work with really don't want to be around me because of, my, of me speaking up and about my faith. And one good thing, I do have a boss that's, you know, he's in church. So, you know, it, it's kind of you're not getting in trouble for that. But I would rather make everybody in this church house mad than to make God mad. Because y'all not getting me to heaven. Not even Brother Rick. God's the only one that can get me to heaven. So if you're worried about what people's going to think, if you're worried about what people's going to say, your heart's not in the right spot. And, you know... It's just like I said earlier about when I preach. You know, if you come to church and, you know, you're sitting back there and you're thinking, God, he's preaching right at me. That's because you're being convicted. Your heart wasn't in the right spot, but you know that you need to be changing your heart. And that as Christians is, is what we need. And look at Mark 12. Verse 30 it says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And that verse right there basically says, we got to love God with everything. We can't just love God by me telling somebody that I love God. We've got to show it in everything we do. And if our hearts are not in the right spot, we'll never show, be able to show. And... I said in the early service that if we're depending on looking at how others are to find out how we, our hearts should be, we in a world of trouble. But yet, that's what we're doing. We're worried about over here, you know, he goes to church, but, you know, he might uh, say a racist remark or something. You know, he goes to church. It's okay. You know, if we're depending on looking at other people, that's why we've gotten in the shape we're in because we've set our own standards. Just like I said earlier, God has laid out a foundation for all of us. Us as Christians are the ones that started the foundation. And I guess the word, for lack of better terms, is a lot of times we have preachers that are ear tickers. They're going to tell you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. And, you know, there, I know there's people that I know that I'm good friends with and look, I don't have a problem with any church. Let me get that straight. But there, I know that there is a lot of people that I'm friends with that go to some of these mega churches that 
the rest of the week are living like they were before they got on Facebook and had their t-shirts on and got dumped in the tub of water. And, you know, that's between them and God. That's not for me to judge. And I can say, there's not a bad church. If, if the church is preaching what they're supposed to be preaching and the people aren't taking it and using it how they're supposed to be using it, you know, that's between them and God. And I told earlier, that some of y'all may have saw on the news this morning, or it may have been last night when I saw it, there's a preacher in Birmingham that has put up a sign that says, it was a black pastor that had put up a sign that said, black people don't need to go to white churches. Now, you know, when I, the first thing I said when I said, he ain't a preacher. Because if you're a preacher, you're not going to make a statement like that. And the second thing is, there's no such thing as black churches and white churches. That's where the problem lies. There's no, there should never be a label. Well, that's a white church. I'm a black man. I can't go there. Or I'm a white person. I can't go. That's a black church. That's the reason we're in the shape we're in. It's because we're making up rules as we go because our hearts are not where they're supposed to be. And God, you know, He, he wants us to demonstrate His love. That's the only reason we're here. We're here to grow His kingdom. Yes, I, I do 100% believe He wants us to enjoy life and have a good time unless we let it get in the way of growing His kingdom. And as you can see on TV, us as Christians, that's what we've done. We've let the world affect our heart and get in the way of spreading the God's message that we need to be out in this world that if we was out spreading this word, we wouldn't be in the shape we're in. In Psalms 51.10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Because we are born sinners, we're going to have a hardened heart. When we're saved, God takes that hardened heart out and puts us a new heart in. But just like we talked about earlier, we've let our hearts kind of go back to be hardened, taking a back seat on a lot of these sinful issues, that we need to be speaking out on. And it's time for us to ask God again for a clean heart. That's the only way we're ever going to get this country that we live in back to where we need it to be. And uh, I mentioned in the earlier service too, one of my favorite evangelists is Tony Evans, who is a black pastor. And I've seen him a couple times speaking. I got to take my dad a couple months ago to see him and his son. His son's awesome. Uh, and Which his son's uh, played college football. He's a, 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 a chaplain for the Dallas Cowboys. So, you know, maybe the sports thing draw me to But both of them's awesome. And Tony gave a good illustration that I'm going to kind of give you the short version because it's a little long. But... He said, if you're a messed up man and you have a family, your family's going to be messed up. If you're a messed up family and you contribute to a church, you're going to have a messed up church. If you have a messed up church who contributes to a community, you're going to have a messed up community. If you have a messed up community that contributes to a county, you're going to have a messed up county. If you have a messed up county that contributes to a state, you're going to have a messed up state. If you have a messed up state that contributes to a uh, the, a nation, you're going to have a messed up nation. And if you have a messed up nation that contributes to the world, you're going to have a messed up world. So the only way we as Christians are ever going to change this world is to start by changing our own hearts. 
And before I turn the service back over to Brother Rick, I'm gonna share another story with you. And some of y'all may have heard of the Red Iron uh, Men's Conference they have every year. And uh, it kind of got, it's actually supposed to be next weekend and me and my pastor are gonna go, but it got pushed back to August. But I had Phil Waters when it put this on. Phil Walter told a story that every year he likes to get away, just disconnect, collect his thoughts, just kind of rejuvenate and get out. He goes to an Amish community. And he said, driving in, you know, he passes all these gardens and everything. And, you know, he said, they're all nice looking gardens. He said, but when he actually gets to the Amish community, he said, he said, it's like he's nothing he's ever seen. He said, their garden is just five times better than anybody else's. And he said, he'd been going so much. He said, you know, it just got the best of me. And he said, I got to be friends with some of them. So I finally asked, like, the leader, he's like, look, man. He said, you know, driving in, I see all these gardens. And he said, they look good. He said, but then I get here. And he said, y'all just blows everybody away. He said, you know, y'all using the same fertilizer, you know, same stuff. He said, he said what are y'all doing different? And he said, you really want to know? And he said, yeah. He said, I really want to know. He said, well, come with me. So he walked around where their garden was. And right beside, they had beehives. Those beehives were going out and pollinating, and by that, were producing a whole lot more. So I'm going to close with this statement. I want everybody to go home, look in the mirror, and check your own heart. And this church right here is a beehive. When y'all leave, what fertilizing are y'all going to do? Are y'all going to do it for the right reason, or are y'all going to do it for the world?